following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL. There's Willie Mays. That's forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie had the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Oh, you got skills, son! Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for that! Last night on The Take with Willie Mason, we were lucky enough to speak with the great Greg Inglis, not only one of the greatest players to ever lace on a boot, but a humble, generous and kind man. What started as a 15-minute chat ended up being over 30 minutes of GI talking about his career, his life post-football and his work with his new foundation, the Goanna Foundation. We decided it was so good it deserved its own special so you can hear the whole thing. I hope you enjoy listening to Greg as much as we enjoyed talking to him. So, William, we have talked about your little black book. And once again, what are you calling yourself this week? Uh, Carl Malone. And why are you calling AKA yourself? AKA the mailman, because I always deliver. Right. Well, you actually have delivered this time. You have delivered us one of the greatest footballers yeah. who has ever lived. Yeah, I and think so too. We are going to ring him now. Explain to the viewers who we are ringing. Um, the great Greg Inglis. He is obviously recently retired from the game. I just thought it'd be good to get him on. He's a great, he's a great friend of mine. Um, and I just think we should celebrate his career. I just think he's one of the – he is honestly top three greatest players to ever play the game. And I think people should uh, start recognising that. They obviously do now. And I think I had a coffee with Greg Inglis last week and we were talking about you know, just football and he's a very modest person. He's like, you know, I, didn't really, I didn't really know what people thought of me. When I, and you got guys like Darren Lockyer and Cooper Cronk going – yeah, uh, we, we had a great dynasty, blah, 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 but we wouldn't have won all these origins without Greg Inglis. Greg Inglis is in all everybody's best side, everyone's best side. doesn't matter what era they are. And now he's getting the accolades that he deserves because he's a very modest person and, and, and GI is just GI. And I've known him for you know over 10 years now. We play for Australia, Australia together and against each other, but it's going to be good, good having a chat with him because I think a lot of his interviews that he's been doing over his whole career – he doesn't really like the media. He doesn't really do anything like this. So it's, it's a privilege to get him on. So He told me he doesn't rate you, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh, – here's the thing. Lock, lock that into your phone. All right, mate. And uh, give him a call and let's see if he actually answers because you've talked yeah. yourself up here, haven't you, Carmel? I know. So. Fuck, mate. Boyd Cordner almost didn't work. answer last week. Hang on, I'll put the headphones on. Hello. Greggy Inglis. How Mason. <laughs> What's going on, bro? Not enough, man. What's happening? Oh, not a lot, man. Just, you know, just getting by, getting by. Hello, Gregory. It's Ian Byrne speaking. How are you, mate? Hello, Ian. How are you, champion? I am good, pal. How is the body? The body? The body's been feeling pretty good, but i am just been at home, doing a little bit of projects like a horse wash bay, and now I'm onto a dog kennel. And yeah. <laughs> and my Back is pretty sore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think you should tell people, man. I said people don't understand what Greg Inglis is about. Like, he, he's everyone just sees what they see on the field. He's a great player, great athlete, but the dudes out there, he just hangs out with his horses. He builds shit, and he's just a chilled out bloke. Are you enjoying retirement at the moment, man? I'm just, I'm not a tradie by any means. <laughs> you showed me that horse thing that you made last week. I, I was impressed. You, I showed you and Ian exactly the same thing that I've been. <clears throat> been working on. That took me about two weeks, and within <laughs> two weeks, I learned about eight trades. Bro, I was in, I was impressed, man, because <laughs> I can't even fucking do anything. 
To be honest, so, you've used more anti-inflammatory since you started building stuff than you did when you were playing first grade football. So, oh mate, it's just trying to get the back and and knee joints back to mobility. That's pretty much about it. Yeah. How, but, speaking um, of speaking of injuries, but, you know, it's um, it's actually been like really good. Um, yesterday was actually my one year anniversary. Um, to announce my retirement. So, was it really? Was it that early? Yeah. Was it? Was it round two or three? Or no, it was no, it was round two Four. and three that I told you guys. Yeah, that, you know my close mates like you two that I was going to retire. It was not until yesterday, on that day, it was one year ago where I actually announced it to everybody else. Yeah, how was so, that, GI? Like, I mean, going back, look, looking back on it now, obviously, I, I I look at you as one of my really close friends, and watching you go through all that. All that, uh, all that drama. How was it? I never, I never retired like you did, and had and medically retire myself. How was that mentally? And just facing the media and, and just re- and really reflecting back on your career was it an emotional time? Yeah, well, just thinking about it yesterday, it was like you thinking about like you were turned ten, and thirty years later, mate, you were turning forty. So, yeah. you know, it was just um, it's one of those things that just got by really quick. Yeah, it, you just don't. You don't really sit there and think about it. Where's that year, born, year gone? Yes, it's it has this up and down. Like yes, I went to went to um, rehab and all that, which was you know, which I'll get to touch on in a second. Yeah. But you know, that was probably the light bulb that actually switched my mind and actually the professor that I was seeing diagnosed me with what what was actually going on. My escape was rugby league itself, training, just getting out exercising and that was my escape to everything um but on that day it was it was a bit different so technically i didn't medically retire from anything i just knew that i had to retire because i couldn't be the leader or the person to lead the boys out onto the field and be who i wanted to be who gave 100 percent like every weekend and i couldn't be that person anymore Mate, I, I remember always saying... always said, always said to myself and to my family, once I fall out in love with the game, well, then I'm going to retire. And that's what happened. Yeah. Mate, honestly, I, I remember the day that you gave that press conference, I don't reckon I've ever seen you look as free as when you did made that announcement. You just looked so at peace with the decision. You looked happier than I'd seen you before in a long time. And we, we spoke about that at the time. Um, obviously... Since then, there's been some ups and downs, and, and you've touched on that yourself. Um, do you miss the game? Yeah, look, yes and no. Like, I don't think I could actually keep – like, I don't think I could actually my body or mentally keep up with week in, week out, you know, training at that. The training, yeah. The training, isn't it, GI? training. See, what you see in the rounds, you know, one to three, where it was actually no crowd or anything, and everybody can hear from back home. The actual contact, the talk, like everything, what you saw and what you heard, like through the television, what people were seeing at home, is what you actually get mm. day in, day out, week in, week out, leading up to a game. Yeah, the training, I what, think, GI. And training that's what people gets don't you. realize. Yeah. Even like, I'm, I know you went through the whole Madge regime. And he arcs he arcs the hell of a lot. He got a, he got a premiership out of you guys. You played great that those three or four years that he was there. But that took a big toll on players like yourself, 
Sam Burgess, George Burgess, all the leaders of that team, you, it sucks so much energy out of you mentally and physically. But I think more on the mental side because have a look. And, and obviously physically, because George Burgess has fallen off so much compared to what he was in, in 13, 14, 15, 16. Sam Burgess is medically retired and you're medically retired as well. So it's uh, I can't sort of try and uh, get out to the people like how hard the actual training is under, under a person like him. And Bellyache as well, you've had him as well for your whole career. You've had these two people that expect so much from Greg Ingles and from their team. And you're not that sort of player. And I know that you're not the sort of person to go, yeah, I'll take this session off. I'll take this session off. Oh, yeah, I won't make round one because to your detriment because you love the team so much. So do you think being underneath him and Bellyache took its toll at the later part of your career? Yeah, look, first and foremost, Craig Bellamy was like a father figure. I fucking love him. When I I first went down there to Melbourne, he was my mentor. He was my father figure, my father away from home. And... Pretty much my family. The whole Melbourne Storm system was my family when I was down there. Yep. You've got to remember, I was moved down there when I was 16. Yeah. And then going on to 17, going back and forth to Brisbane, like back and forth. So that's what people don't realise. And before you know it, I'm sitting around looking at Robbie Kearns in the dressing shed. Big um, Bobby K. You know, yeah, Big Bobby K. Steve Kearney. Mm. Matt Guyer. You know, I'm sitting around these... These legends of the game, Alex Chan, these guys, David Kidwell as well, just walking in, putting on my number 19 debut jerseys. But before I even got to that, I was actually doing a full preseason with them. They taught me how to, like, just never give up, just keep training. And that's how Craig wants it. But it wasn't driven by Craig. It was driven by the leaders. Yeah. And then when Madge took over our sales, that's all I had imprinted in my, in my head, in my yeah. brain. Okay, this is the leader that we had to show these young guys. That this is how it's going to be. But those two coaches gave me um, three premierships. Yeah, I mean it's and amazing. And it, it was so so amazing. I can never fault those two guys. I mean, I know. That, I mean, you, everyone's just go. Oh, gee, I should have played for New South Wales. I'm not even going to embark on that bullshit because you're a fucking great, <laughs> one of the greatest Queenslanders. Yeah, we could have got you if we had any balls and said, hey, gee, I have a fucking New South Wales jersey. Um, anyway, you. Went to Newcastle High School. Like, can you tell people about that? Me, Joey and myself fucking just sit there and just just argue about who, who the hell lets you go from Newcastle. You were in our, you know, you were there. You were right in our catchment and they let you go. Like, you were there. I mean, you, you, why, didn't the night, why didn't the Knights grab you? And why didn't, and obviously, and if New South Wales had to come up in 2005 or six and said, hey, Greggy, He's a New South Wales jersey. Would you play for New South Wales? Well, funny enough, like, well, like I said, look, at the age of 16, I went down to Melbourne for pre-season. Anyway, during that year, I was at Huntersport High School, Gateshead. Yeah. Um, went to Kirinari Hostels, lived there with the rest of the Indigenous kids that wanted to go there in Cardiff. Um, my cousin and I, my first cousin and I, uh, Said, let's just go to Gates Head for, you know, sports target program for Rugby League. The reason behind all this, because I was like, okay, I signed with Melbourne at the time when I was 15. And uh, at 14, actually, got my manager at 15. So I signed with Melbourne at 14, got my manager at 15. 16 came along. I was like, actually, I don't want to go to Melbourne. I want to be around close to 
my family. You know, my family is important to me, like any anyone's family. So by the end of that year, no one approached me about staying around Newcastle. I kept like going and saying, "Oh, how about Newcastle? How about this?" Same to my manager at the time. It was like kept going inquiring. It's like we can't do anything. Mind you, I signed a contract for five hundred dollars. <laughs> big money, so, Jay, like big money. Newcastle was only at that time three hours down the road. With new highways and that now, it's only two hours. Yeah, but it was only three hours down the road. Newcastle was from my hometown, so I was like, "Nah, I want to stay here. I want to do this, and I'll be close to my family. I'll be happy." Didn't come along that whole year, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll play for West, Western Roselle." Yeah, yeah. Played for them for the whole year with, with um, Ricky Walsh, Jared Mullen, and they were signed with Newcastle at the time. They were playing seven and six. Wow. And I was the number one. And I was like, okay, let's let's just go with this, and I'll just try to get with Newcastle, and then nothing came back. So. That's unbelievable. Mate, you've talked about going down to Melbourne. You went down to Melbourne, obviously, when you were very young. Um, what people may not know, because it wasn't really that publicised, is that you have been inducted into the Rabbitohs Hall of Fame, um, which is a massive, massive achievement for you, and 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 something that I know you're very proud of yourself. Do it's a you, heritage club too. Do you look back now um, and see yourself? I mean, obviously Melbourne was where you started your career, but do you see yourself now as a, as 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 a South Sydney player, and that's something that you're very proud of? Yeah, like. It's Melbourne's where I had my early, early successful, see, uh, you know, career, without a doubt. Those people down there made me who I was as a player, without a doubt, <clears throat> no question about it. But then coming up to South Sydney, that's where it actually like you had to step away from that Melbourne system. I, like I said, I had great players around me, great leaders, but to go to the next level when you had to step out of that system. Yes, Cam Smith was unbelievable. Probably the best in the game. Probably number one that will ever go down as one of the greatest. Billy Slater, best fullback you'll ever see of, you know, that will come across. Cooper Cronk, the most like articulate halfback you'll ever get. And then there was me that just got thrown in at number six or number four. <laughs> I had no idea what, what he was doing besides these three guys around me helped me. So when that salary cap scandal came along, I decided to put my hand up and just test the waters and come up to Sydney. I didn't want to come to Sydney. Brisbane was a you know was a goal, but and that did a whole backflip on itself. Well, I did, and then decided. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, the funny story is, Chuck rang me and he goes, "Russell's going to call you in five minutes." I was like, "Okay, no problem." And then Russell rings. He goes, puts his voice on. Hey, it's Russell Crowe. Yeah, hey, it's no, Russell Crowe. Yeah, I'm like, no, fuck off. No, it's not. No, no chance. Because I didn't believe it because I love Gladiator so much. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> believe it. And I didn't want to come to South for that reason. <laughs> anyway, Mate, that, so that, that movie, that Gladi- aside, the movie Gladiator, has genuinely signed about fifty percent of the South players over the like. If the gla- movie Gladiator didn't exist, South would have probably missed out on about fifty percent of their signings. I reckon. Oh mate, if you go back to the um, the signs that they had up for the whole final series, it's like what you do in life echoes for eternity. You can see that massive <laughs> banner that they did, and that's just anyway. So 
going back to where we started. Yep. Melbourne, yes, it done my very successful. Did you doubt yourself? Career. So going back, just say you 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 said you played with Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, arguably three of the greatest players in their position. Uh, then you had Greg English. You try and downplay, but you were probably the best side, best player in that team, in my in my opinion. Did you sort of go, am I this great because of the players around me? Do I need to go to South Sydney to go, you know what, fuck it. I am fucking Greg Inglis and I can do this shit by myself. Did you have that sort of attitude? No. It wasn't no? Because I'm, no. I'm thinking that's not in your nature because you're just a freak anyway. But you no, just you knew you, you knew you had to you knew you had to go and just make the decision to come up to Sydney. You know why? Because that family in Melbourne Storm was so tight. Yeah. I decided to put my hand up, went and chat with Craig Bellamy. It was after we played Bulldogs in Adelaide that year. I said, look, I don't want to see these guys go. I'm going to put my hand up because it would be better for me to get a contract and it would be easier for me to get a contract elsewhere. Did you know you were going to play fullback? Like when you went to South, was that the plan? No, that wasn't the plan. Shane Richards then turned around and said to Madge, he's like, I decided you're one of the best centers like that we can ever have or in the world. And then Madge turned around and goes, He'll be one of the best fullbacks that you'll ever have. And, and, that's right. how it, and that's how it ended. He was spot right. on there. Mate, what one thing I mean you are and you can tell just from the way you're speaking now, you're a very humble human being and you always have been, but now that you're a year out and you see all of the I guess some of the great players of the game, Cooper Cronk was, was one of the most recent ones who's come out and said, he, you know, you were probably the best player he played with or you could turn a game. Are you getting more comfortable sitting with those sort of compliments now or those sort of accolades that you weren't comfortable with when you were playing? No, not really because, uh, like I said before, I was just a kid that grew up loving the game. I remember going to the local grounds and seeing – Dad playing first grade footy and then running home on a Sunday afternoon to watch Sunday four o'clock kickoff on, you know, back then it was seven on Channel Seven, and then growing up with that. So, and then I keep asking myself, people, like you said, people coming out and saying, you know, myself was one of the best people that could turn. And I'm sitting there going, well, why me? Because I still say to myself, why me? I was just a kid that just grew up loving rugby league. I was born. Into it, I see my father do it. I see my uncle do it. I see my brother do it, and that's what that was just the way I seen the game and enjoyed the game. Um, let me see. I'll just run through your resume a little bit. Like you played 100 ga- 118 <laughs> games for for Melbourne, 147 for South. You played fucking 39 tests, 31 tries for Australia, 32 games for Queensland, 18 tries, Indigenous All Stars. Four games, two tries. You captain Queensland, cha- captain New, New South. I mean, I was going to say New South. Captain, New captain South, South Sydney, the Indigenous All Stars, three premierships. Clive Churchill at six Golden Boot, Dallium Centre, multiple times. Man, the series, fucking probably a hundred times in Origin. Wally Lewis medal, probably about five times. I mean, that resume is would fucking knock anybody out of the park. And that's why, I mean, you, me, you and I, Greggy, we're very close, Mason. We talk a little bit of shit and everything like that. But all, at the end of the day. You're one of the greatest to ever, ever do it. So what is your standout of all that fucking shit? What is your number one standout of all those all those accomplishments, accomplishments that I just mentioned? What's what, what stands out? Give me a couple. There's got to be a couple. There is a couple. Like when you go to Origin Camp, 
you just enjoy it. Mm. People talk about, but Mel was all about having fun. So Alfie was the one that always brought the fun. Yeah, and he was you hilarious. Know that Alfie was the one that <laughs> brought the fun when you were in Aussie camp. Do you remember in Aussie? Do you remember um, your first Aussie camp in 2006 in your on your tour when he won 100 grand and he was nude when in the I bed? Won <laughs> no, when Al- Alfie Langer, Alfie Langer rang, he rang, he rang up the next day. So we had a test in New Zealand, so Alfie rang the boys, going, "Everyone come to my room." Was, he goes, "I'm in trouble." So he's doing snowflakes nude with 100 grand on him. 100 grand. On him. <laughs> Sorry, Alfie. And he made all the young boys just take it back to take it back into Australia. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't think we could actually talk about that, but no. <laughs> so we're in New Zealand. That's Queensland mentality. So we was in New Zealand. Yeah, Mace just got Kato. Oh, that's when a fucking good keyboard hit me. He just got Kato. Oh, that was that guy. He's just laying on the ground. Like oh, a, fuck up! Little girls like ice sockers. Like, oh, oh my god, help me, help me, <laughs> help me. Alf was like, oh, I don't give a shit about Mace. I'm going, I'm going in. Just drop this here and goes here, boys. Here's X amount. Yeah. Get it back in the country for me. Like, yeah, okay, same. No worries. And Greggy was only 18, 18, 19. <laughs> all the young boys had to carry it back in Australia. I don't, yeah, I feel like you're not the best mentor of all time. <laughs> oh, mate, but you know what? He, like you say that, but he was actually, he actually was one of the greatest because when you actually come down to footy, you sit there and you listen to Alfie, but when it came to the fun side, it was oh, like, amazing yeah, king. like, that was it. But so, with everything that's gone on, it was just more the, it wasn't so... It was a camaraderie that you have when you look up the training. Yeah. Or when you lace the boots up or, you know, when you lace the boots up, to go out and actually talk about little shit that you have to do before, you know, the actual training session or during the training session. It was actually learning from people around you. Are we talking that's, about Origin Camp? And that's what I miss most. Oh, okay. About the whole... Just the whole... The, yeah, all right. Mate, what? And, that's, and that's what I miss the most. It's like you learn things day, to, day in, day out, every single time. And that's what creates better better players. They, the players are there willing to learn and listen to other people around them to make them better players. Well, then why shouldn't they? Yeah. Sp- speaking of learning things, one, one thing that um, I guess I'm aware of, Willie... We go out in public, and Willie's obviously a public figure, and 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 people want to be around him and and talk to him and get photos with him. And Willie will give his time freely to everyone, and and you know deep down he probably doesn't mind it as well. You've always struggled, in in my opinion, you've always struggled with being Greg Inglis, um, with being the person that people want to come up and and get the photos with, and and say you, you always freely give your time, but. Have you learnt to sit with the fact that you are Greg English yet? That you are actually, you know, someone that people look up to, someone that people have loved as a footballer over the years. And are you getting better with being Greg English? Well, I'm getting better with it. Like it's been sixteen, sixteen years playing league, um, a year out. But you boys know me pretty much more than my close, my best mates from back home and walk around me. So. It doesn't. Every time we walk away, yes, I'll give time to people. Yes, I'll sit there and chat. Right, I've got no worries with that whatsoever. But when I walk away, I'm like, why me? That's that's the question yeah. I always ask myself. Is like, why me? I'm just, I'm just a. To me, in my head, I'm just a bloke that just loved what he did. And you're unbelievable and at it. I think that's, that's what I was saying. We're, that's we're, just we're, who we're, I was, and then when 
and then like, like I said, I'll sit there. I'll have a coffee with you guys and sit there, walk around, do whatever we want. Yeah. Soon somebody comes up, talks to me. It's like, yeah, give them time of day, say hello, do whatever, talk about, talk about shit, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we. We had a coffee last week. We had, we had a bit of a chat, and we we're just talking about. It. And you're like, you told me, you're like, you didn't realize how how highly other people held you. And I've always held you in that regard. Like anyone's best play, just say Darren Lockyer, Cooper Cronk, Andrew Johns, Mal Meninga, whatever generation, whatever they played in, their best center is Greg Inglis, or fullback, or wing. You're in the side somewhere. And like I always knew how great you were. You're just a modest, a modest, very modest person, and. That's why I wanted to get you on here tonight and just just to really get get you out there and just tell everybody how great you are. I think everybody knows that. You're very, very – you're sitting back going, oh, fuck, shut up, Mace. But I'll tell you that to your face anyway. You know that. Mate, with – Yeah, it's pretty much what I'm thinking right now. Exactly. You're just going, shut the fuck up, please. Uh, can you talk about something else? Yeah, let's just talk about me for a minute. <laughs> we won't talk about Willie. Willie talks about himself enough. But we mate, won't talk about Mace. We'll be here for two hours. Yeah. Just with Mace talking about himself. Yeah. But there's – I mean, obviously there's been a change of circumstance at the moment. You, you had signed on after the end of, of, your, of your playing career to, to, to be with South in a, you know, in a back-end capacity, you know, doing stuff with them – training and doing stuff with some South Cares things and, you know, that's obviously um, been taken away because of the coronavirus and the way the world is at the moment. H- how are you travelling with all of that? Yeah, I'm actually getting myself busy. Um, like I touched on before, I'm out here learning trades as I go, um, just trying to build shit. <laughs> Bunnings. Bunnings is my best friend every Saturday day, more than 10 down the road. <laughs> it's just trying to learn to build shit. I'll Google Scotty Cairns and walk. <laughs> and just, you know, I don't have the tools for here. Mate, let's get into some oh, of your. Oh, like, oh, like, obviously, I've got horses and that out here. But, you know, it's been great being signed on with South after I retired. And then they, they kept faith in me after I came out of, you know, the clinic out of rehab. And stuck with me all through, you know, all through that shit early in the year. And then by the end of it, I'm working with the 16s, 18s, um, Canterbury Cup, and um, you know, it's just been unreal. You're working a- with these young guys and just passing, trying to pass the knowledge to these young guys. Okay. Um, it was so satisfying until, and then working with the first grade, and then obviously going back to this crap what you touched on. Was the coronavirus stuff, which mm, stopped everything. So everything up. everybody's just going back to even school, work, even school shut down now. So most of these young guys have got no work, no school. So how are they meant to make a living if, you know, what are they going to do? Just go be tradies? Yeah. So it's, again, tell it's us. Just, it's tell, sad, like, but everyone's in the same boat. Tell us about the Goanna Foundation. The Goanna Foundation. Mm. Well, it started off because obviously we didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, it was going to start off this year as a, just a clinic, just a trial, trial and error thing. Um, Is it like an academy? And working working, working with Indigenous kids and... Not even Indigenous kids, just with the community itself. Yep. So what I'm talking about here, I'll give you an example, is the Nambucca Valley um, community. That includes Barrowville, Maxwell, Nambucco, and all those surrounding areas around it, which is in the Nambucco Valley. So you go to Maxwell, um, 
you catch up on a Friday, a Thursday, Friday, you go around to the schools, you talk about anti-bullying, um, healthy living programs and all that. The Saturday, you jump in and do a clinic, a coaching clinic, to just teach them fundamentals, have a few games of touch, a few games of like just stuck in the mud just with different various age groups from seven, from under seven to under, I don't know, under 14, 16s. And then the Sunday will be the actual golf day for the local businesses who can actually come in, support, um, buy a hole um, and everything like that. And then prizes to be, you know, handed out, raffle out of the end of the day. Then whatever's generated from that weekend is put back into that local community, local businesses, into the local rugby league communities. So they actually get something back, which every single community is struggling with, especially right now. It's like it could be as simple as goalpost pads, um, footy gear, hit shields, polos, footy kit, just anything that could help within that remote community. And my aim is start off there, and then work from Tweed Ads all the way to Newcastle, and then take it all the way out to Lightning Reach um, in two years. So that's my that's my aim, and that's what I'm working towards. Mate, that's, that's a terrific. You've thing been to um, do. you've obviously been you're very very proud Indigenous brother. I know that for a fact. I mean, and of all your accomplishments, as we'll go on, uh, as we touched on before, like you when you captain the Indigenous All Stars. And they do that thing at the start, and when you just rise up, and they all they all take a knee. Is that one of the proudest moments of your career? Because I look at that, and the passion in your eyes, and even gives me fucking goosebumps when I look at it and going, "Damn, Jai's going to kill someone," and you just leading your people. Is that a massive? Was that one of the biggest moments for you? I know you've achieved everything else, but little things like that. When I when I look at the indigenous and the Maori all stars, they're getting really in touch with their heritage and stuff like what leading the boy leading the boys out and doing that war dance. But how how does that make you feel when you were doing that? Oh, I'll tell you, tell you, Trey, that was massive. Yeah, you know, it's just sitting there, just reflecting on it. We're sitting there in the room. It was two years. It was actually coming up with it, just talking about it. And then when it came to that week. Everybody looked looked around in the room. JT, Semithide, like these guys were like leaders of the community. But for some reason, they looked at me. I don't know why. I know you know, why. I still man. don't know why. But they we just, know why. Know but why. you're the only one who don't fucking know why. I don't know fucking know why. <laughs> they just looked at me and they said, who's going to be in the middle? And I was like, I'm telling you, everyone just looked at me. Laurie looked at me, and I'm like, oh, all right, yep, I'll fucking do it. And then actually when I thought about it and got into it, I was like, yep, you know what, this is, this is who, what my culture represents. This is what it's about. Powerful. It's about a warrior standing up and believing within himself. And that's pretty much when it actually kicked off that I actually believe, you know, in myself. I never shy away from my heritage. I always stand up and say, yeah, I'm a proud Indigenous man. I know where I come from. I know my family, you know, background. But this is who I am, um, without a single doubt. And then, yeah, it was just it was just an amazing experience to actually be that person. Because that is, yeah. 
Because out of all your games, everything like that, we, we played for Australia against each other. I mean, we played for Australia together. We played against each other, New South Wales, Queensland. And then I've watched you play for the last, you know, like five or six years in the rep, rep sort of scene. I've seen you win a lot. I've seen you lose a couple of games here and there. But that stands out to me, that the Indigenous All-Star game, when you do stand up and that whole everything just it's, it's a very emotional time for everyone i can i can see it and i can see how much it means to you and i, I always always love that part i mean you can you you can you've captained queensland which i know was a massive thing for you winning golden boots all the i know all these accolades don't really mean that much to you but i know watching you lead the indigenous boys out and doing that and leading the war dance was fucking crazy and and even i think guys like latrell and you've you've left a big big imprint on all these young indigenous brothers because I know guys, they want to do that now because I know, as you just said before, they're looking around the room, guys like JT, Sammy Thido, these guys are legends of the game and they're looking at you now, like, you know, guys like Latrell, they want to be that dude. So what the, the imprint that you've left on the indigenous community has been outstanding and you've always been a, a top, a top bloke and in everything that you do. So, and I'll tell you what, G.I., the stuff that you did as a footballer, that'll pale into uh, insignificance when we look at what you're going to do for your community and for your family for the rest of your life, mate. And we really appreciate you being on the show with us tonight. And uh, I can't wait for isolation to be able to have a, a coffee with you soon. <laughs> but, mate, thank you once again. And, and, and uh, from us, congratulations on everything you've achieved. Appreciate you, Greggy. No worries, boys. All right, bro. Look after yourselves. I'll see you after. Later, man. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. There you Mate, go. He's, a, he's a fucking legend. Um, just a little, little story. Obviously, we, we played against each other for um, what uh, New South Wales and Queensland. And we toured a couple of times with, with the Australian side. And it was fun as fuck. I mean, kangaroo tours. Bunch of tour people. I've been going on my kangaroo tour at Tails a couple of, for a couple of weeks now. So that bond is strong. And uh, he, he said, he goes, oh, bruh, listen. He goes... We'll have a bit of a pack in Origin. Origin's the fucking beast of a game. It's the hardest shit. He goes, promise me you won't hit me as hard. You won't hit me hard and I won't run it out. And at that time, GI was GI. He was a fucking animal. And I'm like, yep, no worries. Yep, no worries. I, so you know he, what? I can understand. And <laughs> I can understand why. He goes, why. no third man. He's like, no third man in. He goes, and I won't run at you. And I, and I was thinking, I'd, I'll back myself against anyone, but that right palm. It's like a fucking jousting stick. William, I know why you agreed to that. I do not understand why Greg Inglis was worried about running at you. Hey, to mate. Be honest, oh, it's Origin, mate. Have, I was a fucking animal in Origin. Oh, but he might have put you. Yeah, I know, I know. But I was so, because he used to get those play, the, the play twos out of out of yardage where people people understand that that's one of the hardest runs. And as a middleman, you need to be there. And that's when he used to make all these fucking big eighty meter breaks because mm. he used to come out of there. He was either left center or left wing. And it was that hard. His second run, his second play, he'd skittle blokes. And you can, if you watch the, some replays from six, seven, eight, he'd be like running and he'd skip over. Well, mate, what, like, about, yes. what about the little black book? We've had the current Australian captain and we've had a future oh, immortal. Mate, you're yeah, doing all right. Yeah, Carl Malone. That's all right. Well I, do, I do deliver. Well done. I'll be following Willie more and more. Back in the NRL is Willie Mason. I've forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Fuck. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you.
You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network. 